Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not in the name of Calvary Chapel or any other church. No, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, through the years, I've had some say, oh, no, you know, I think we ought to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus, because there's some other passages that say, hey, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so rather than fight the big battle with them, I said, okay, I'll baptize you that way. So I baptize and say, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Just cover them all at that point in time. There's some things, it's just not worth the battle, really. It just brings division. Baptism is a wonderful thing, but it can also be a divisive issue in the body of Christ. In our time with Pastor David, we'll consider how we can overlook our differences to avoid division within the church. There are some things that are just not worth battling over. So when issue arises like the one surrounding baptism in Corinth. It would be wise to keep the main thing the main thing and not allow differences to divide us. Let us maintain unity by keeping our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, A Church Divided. Some have come to this church from church traditions that literally reach back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And I also know that there's some things that you and I may not agree on, because you're wrong on a few things. No. Uh, (laughs) See, that's spiritual pride right there, okay? That there's going to be some things that, that you and I are not going to agree on. And there's most likely some things that you and I in a friendly manner, we could sit and we could open up our Bibles and we could debate all day long over two or three pots of coffee. And when we're finished, still not agree 100%, but walk away as brother or sister together. In the essentials of the faith, we need to be united. We must be united. And beloved, if we're not, as I said, the enemy will bring in division. And there needs to be, within each one of us, that willingness to let the other one be a little bit different, okay? To be a little bit different, and that's okay. Because on the essentials, we agree. Because on the essentials of the faith, and we'll speak about that as we're going through the book of Corinthians, but even as Paul says, no, I I, I preach to you the fullness of the gospel. Christ was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. The reality that Christ died for the sin of mankind, that it's only through Christ that salvation is gained. There's there's several things that are essentials to the faith that you and I need to hold on to. But please understand that there can be diversity in the midst of unity. Hopefully you understand that. 
especially if you're married, okay? You, 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 hopefully by now you've understood that there is diversity and yet unity. One of the things that a pastor told me years ago, he says, if we're all the same, only one of us is necessary. If we're all the same, only one of us is necessary. So God has placed, even within his body, a diversity, a diversity of gifts, a diversity of callings, diversity of personalities. I have friends in this city. I I dare say I have friends literally that are around the world right now. They differ in Christian beliefs. They minister with a diversity of, of spiritual gifts. And yet, even in that, we agree on the essentials of the faith, and we can stand, and we should stand united because we are in Christ. There's some that I know, man, he's my brother, she's my sister, that I love them in that, but I would not necessarily have them teach this congregation. Why? Because there is enough difference that, again, I don't want to cause confusion. I don't doubt their salvation but I wouldn't have them stand in the pulpit. I don't know if you can really understand that. I don't know if that's just a pastor's concept or understanding, but you don't want to bring confusion into your congregation. Paul asks the question in verse 13. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You know, these three questions, well, of course, they're rhetorical, and they expect, and, and they, they actually require a negative answer. No, well, no, no, Christ isn't, by, no, Paul wasn't crucified. No, I wasn't baptized in Paul. As a matter of fact, the thought, the, the idea behind is Christ divided? Literally, that word divided, it has with it the connotation of, of cutting or ripping apart the physical body of Jesus, so that each could have a portion. And even the Corinthians, by, by that very grotesque, uh, that statement, they would have been shocked. They would have been appalled at the thought. Is Christ divided? Here, you want an arm of Christ? You want a leg of Christ? Like, no, no. They would have understood what he's saying. And there's not a whole lot that they would be shocked by in that culture, but I think they would have been shocked by that declaration. Is Christ divided? And then the very thought of the Apostle Paul being the sacrifice for the sin of all mankind, that would have been absolutely ridiculous. Remember, the sacrifice had to be pure. It had to be holy. It had to be without sin. And yet Paul, as righteous a man as he was, he declares that he himself, he's the chief of sinners. So already that cancels out the possibility that Paul could have been crucified for us. Paul couldn't have even been crucified for himself because he was not the perfect sacrifice, incapable of paying for his own sin, much less the sin of the world. And then Paul asks the question in reference to baptism. He says, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he follows it up with that declaration. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, and lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides that, I I don't know whether I baptized any other. You need to realize Paul isn't minimizing baptism, but he's also not lifting it up as a method of salvation. 
You need to understand, even in the way that he puts this here, I thank God I, I didn't baptize any. Well, if it was a part of salvation, well, yeah, man, I want to baptize you. I want to have a part of your salvation. And he goes on to speak of that also a little bit more. Paul baptized only a few. Uh, Crispus, uh, that's actually the synagogue leader back in Acts chapter 18. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago when there was a, a, a riot within the synagogue. Crispus had been the synagogue leader and he had come to Christ. And then there was another guy, Sosthenes, that became the next synagogue leader and he got beat up by the Greeks. Well, Sosthenes is here with Paul, as Paul writes this book of Corinthians. He says, you know, uh, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. So he said, well, yeah, I, I, I baptized Crispus, and, and Gaius, uh, he's, he's the one right now that is in Rome. Uh, we believe that, that he's the one that hosted Paul, actually not in Rome, but in the book of Romans. It speaks of Paul being hosted at the home of Gaius in the town uh, or the city of Ephesus. So Paul thought that, you know, suddenly, as you're right, you know, the only ones I baptize, uh, oh, those, those, those Crispus, and then there was Gaius, and other than that. Oh, wait, yeah, oh, yeah, also the household of Stephanus, uh, him and his household. It's apparent that the Corinthians were making way too much of baptism, of who officiated or who carried out their baptism. When we're baptized, We're baptized according to to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Baptizing him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not in the name of Calvary Chapel or any other church. No, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, through the years, I've had some say, oh, no, you know, I think we ought to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus because there's some other passages that say, hey, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so rather than fight the big battle with them, I said, okay, I'll baptize you that way. So I baptized them and say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, <laughs> just cover them all at that point in time. There's some things, it's just not worth the battle, really. It just brings division. It doesn't make sense to me. It sounds like in some, you know, you want to join our church, you've got to be baptized in our church. You want to join our church, you have to be baptized in a church that's like our church, or our church exactly. That sounds a whole lot to me like what's going on in Corinth. You want to be a part of our group, you've got to be baptized by Apollos, because we're all Apollos baptism candidates over here. Some, though they've been baptized correctly, and we believe in full immersion believers' baptism. We believe that the New Testament is very, very clear that those who believed in Jesus Christ were baptized. And the word baptizo has that idea of dipping or immersing or going under the water. We also see what the picture of baptism is. Baptism is the picture of dying to self, rising up again to walk in that newness of Christ. And if I'm dying to myself, and I share this often in baptism, I don't know if I did uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did the baptisms, but, you know, when we're, when we're dead, we don't want somebody to just come and throw dirt in our face or sprinkle a little dirt on our head. You know, we bury it, bury it. And that's what the sign of baptism is. It's a burial. That's why I believe historically, as well as according to the language that baptism is by immersion. As far as the time-wise, I know that some who are brothers and sisters in Christ 
baptize infants. And I understand that. I understand that a little bit more now than I used to. I don't agree with it, but I can understand where they get it from and where it comes from. I don't agree with it. I believe that you should make a commitment to Jesus Christ first, then be baptized. And for those of you who, as a child, were christened or, or, or sprinkled earlier on in life, and yet later on now you, you've come to a full acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know him as your Lord and Savior, I believe that you ought to be obedient to what the Lord says and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So... I believe that you ought to be baptized by immersion for, for those reasons, number one and foremost of all of them, out of obedience to the Word of God, to Jesus himself. Jesus told his disciples, go, teach them concerning all the things I've told you, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. You see, it's a thing of belief first, and then baptism. Number one, out of obedience to Christ. Number two, I believe that you ought to be baptized as, as, a, as a public sign of what's taken place in your life. Yes, I confess Christ as my Lord and Savior. I confess I don't want me to be in charge of my life anymore. I want to die to myself in order that Christ might reign and rule in my life. You see, that's what baptism is, and that's what it is. And I know that some people, and I know some have said, well, historically, it was a form of joining the church. And I know that some say that uh, baptism is necessary to join a particular church. Well, beloved, if you've been here at Calvary for very long, you know we don't have a membership, okay? Uh, the membership here is just, we're part of the body of Christ. And if you choose to fellowship here with us, man, Praise God, we'll put you to work, okay? Uh, support the ministry, get actively involved in the ministry, let this be your church family, but there's not membership rules and regulations. No, it's just the body of Christ, and you ought to be baptized. And if you got baptized in XYZ Church, you know, back years ago, and they're totally different than Calvary Chapel, as long as you understand what that baptism means to you, hey, I think it's okay with the Lord. I'm not the one to test on that. I'm not the one you have to prove anything on. That's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a requirement for salvation, and yet there are part of, again, those who confess as believers in Christ that you've got to be baptized uh, for salvation. And yet, I don't see that in the context of the entire Scripture. Are there some verses that allude to that? Absolutely, there are, and that's why the confusion has. But in the context of all the Scripture, it does not hold water, to use that illustration. I was going to say it didn't hold weight, but water came to me just like that. Okay. Paul said in verse 17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, if baptism were a point of salvation, then he would have been sent to baptize. He would have been sent to preach and to baptize. But he said, no, that, that's not why I came. I came to preach. You, you get baptized as a, as a follow-up of obedience. He says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. It's interesting that he says here, not with wisdom of words. A little bit later, 
he starts speaking in verse, verse 18. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You need to understand where that declaration or where, where that statement came from. Personally, I believe that it came from Paul's experience, not with the wisdom of words, the foolishness of the cross. Where was Paul just before he came to Corinth Church? Do you know? Do you remember from your own studies when we were in Acts and chapter 18 is when he came to Corinth, but just before that in chapter 17 of the book of Acts, he was actually preaching in Athens. And remember when he was in Athens, he was at a place called Mars Hill. At Mars Hill, he was debating with the philosophers. Paul was an intelligent guy. He said, not with the wisdom of words. Paul could have preached with the wisdom of words. He was that intelligent. We see in in the declaration of his own uh, testimony, man, I was was excelling beyond my peers. I was Pharisee of the Pharisee. Man, I, I, I had it together. And for Paul to even take a footstep up on the top of Mars Hill and begin a debate with the philosophers, with the Greek philosophers that were there in Athens, uh, he had to have his act together intellectually. When we read his writings, particularly the book of Romans, I mean, the book of Romans is just laid out, man. It's like a, like a lawyer standing before a court, giving, again, setting forth his case before court, before the Supreme Court, before the judges there, just point after point after point, building his case. Paul was a sharp, sharp guy. And I believe that when he went to Athens and he debated with these philosophers, we realize that when we look at Acts chapter 17, not very many came to Christ. Not very many came to Christ. It's usually not the intellect that wins someone to Christ. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with intellect. For those of you that have it, we that don't really appreciate it. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with intellect, but you know what? We don't receive Christ through the intellect. We receive Christ through the heart through the understanding of of our very inner being. That's why the gospel can be just as clear to a six-year-old as it can to a 60-year-old. That's why the gospel can be made just as clear to someone in third grade as it can to a professor in a college. Why? Because the simplicity of the gospel has been designed that all men everywhere might know it whether they have an education or not, whether they're in the Western civilization or if they're in a, a developing country someplace. The gospel has been given not in words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. If the only way that I could win someone to Christ is to come and with, with all the intellect of a, of a brainiac and, and all, the, all the charts and all the designs and all the history and all, all the philosophy of man, you know what? We'd get lost in the midst of that. We'd get lost in the muck and the mire. But the gospel is simple. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him could have everlasting life. That God, because of his love for us, even while we are yet sinners, sent Christ to die for us. That Christ took upon himself our sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the simplicity of that, unfortunately for many, they stumble in that. 
No, it's got to. has got to be something more. I, I've studied the philosophies of so and so and so and so, and I, I've read the books by doctors such and such and such and such, and I, I've experienced and I've seen this. Well, you know what? Maybe they need to come down off their high horse and get back into humanity. John Newton said, "I am a great sinner in need of a great Savior." That's where we need to be. That's where humanity needs to be. And I think that that's why Paul says, you know. <laughs> I, I, I debated with these philosophers on Athens. I believe that he held his own, but not very many came to Christ. A few. You, you read the end of chapter 17 of the book of Acts. He said, and then I came here, and yeah, I discussed the scriptures with the people in the synagogue and won some there, but then they even revolted against it. And then he went next door to the, the house of Christmas, and there is where the church really was birthed, and he just laid forth the simplicity of the gospel, just as he shares in Corinthians 15. Hey, I gave you the simplicity of the gospel. Christ in him crucified, buried, and risen again. That's the simplicity of the gospel. How do we share Christ with the world that's around us? Oh, there's some that want to debate, some that want to argue, some that want all of their questions answered before they'll kneel their, their lives before Christ. But my encouragement to you when you share Christ with someone and they come up with all these questions and wonderings, just say, hey, we'll get to that later, but let me share with you the simplicity of the greatness and the love of God for you. Yeah, but what about you know, all the evil that's in the world? Listen, we, we'll get to that later, but let me share with you now. Even in the midst of your life, God loves you still, and he sent Christ to die for you. Yeah, but I don't understand about this. He said, you never will right now. And you know what? <laughs> for the unlearned and for those who aren't spiritual, they will not know and understand spiritual things. And so it does you almost absolutely, I won't say no good, but I'll say almost absolutely no good to try and do a debate on these kinds of things. The best thing is just stick to the cross and As I've shared with you before, when you're sharing the gospel and you're sharing the word of God with people and they say, yeah, but I don't believe the Bible is true. That's when he said, oh, I understand that. I totally understand. But let me read to you something what it says here. And you go back to it. And they say, yeah, but I don't believe that Bible. I understand that. But would you read verse 16 here in chapter 3? Tell me, what does that mean to you? I don't believe that. Well, that's okay. Let me show you something over here in Romans. And Just stick to the Bible. And you know what? The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide. It'll cut deep. It will accomplish what it's sent forth to do. That's the promise of God. You try to do it on an intellectual debate, I don't care how sharp you are. There's always going to be somebody sharper. I don't don't care how experienced you are. There's always going to be somebody with more experience. You stick with the simplicity of the gospel. That's what Paul did in Corinth. Is the church a mess in Corinth? Absolutely it is. And you know why? Because it's made up of people like you and me. Okay, Human people that deal with issues during our lives. And sometimes we get it right, don't we? Praise God, sometimes. There's other times we get it wrong and we need to be corrected and re-instructed. But I think that that's one of the reasons why Paul encouraged them at the beginning. Hey, you are enriched by the grace of God. Open.
That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit TheOpenWord.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.